Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back everyone. On today's episode, Paige takes us on her journey, navigating the challenges of conception and recounting her empowering experience of an unmedicated hospital birth. After a heartbreaking missed miscarriage, a sobering realization dawned on Paige that a pregnancy doesn't always guarantee a baby. Following the identification of a blood clotting disorder, low ovarian reserve, and an endometriosis diagnosis, she embarked on a series of fertility treatments that proved unsuccessful. But just as the idea of trying IVF crossed their minds, Paige discovered she was pregnant. During her pregnancy, Paige stumbled upon a birth video that revealed the potential for an intimate birthing journey. Observing the dim lighting, soft music, and calm atmosphere, she realized that childbirth doesn't have to be a bright, chaotic experience. Fueled by this realization, Paige and her husband immersed themselves in a hypnobirthing course, arming themselves with the knowledge to advocate for the birth experience they desired. Today, Paige reveals the unfolding of her rite of passage, delving into the intricate components that shape her story. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, Paige. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be sharing my birth story. To start off today's episode, could you just let the listeners know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I am 27. Yes, I'm 27. (laughs) Um, I am from the Hunter Valley um, and I live with my husband, Ben. We've been married for 18 months together for eight years and um, I've just had my first baby. He is six months at the end of this week. So nice and fresh. Yeah, beautiful. So was he a planned conception? Yeah, he was. Um, It took a little bit of time. We have a bit of a, a, I guess, conception story. Mm -hmm. Um, So not long after we first got together, we actually um, accidentally fell pregnant um, in 2017. Um, I unfortunately had a missed miscarriage with that one, um, which was really hard. It was um, 
you know, neither of our parents had had miscarriages before. So I guess when you see those two lines for the first time, you automatically go, oh, that's going to result in a baby. Mm. Um, just for anyone that isn't familiar with that terminology, could you just explain what a missed miscarriage is? Yeah, so um, we found out I was pregnant. My levels were rising really well. Um, we went to the first scan and it was like a week behind what we were sort of expecting based on my last period which they weren't too concerned about it at that stage they just kind of thought oh maybe you ovulated a week early or something um but there was a baby in there that was just measuring small um then we went back a week later and the baby had grown and there was a heartbeat so all good and then um and you know I had morning sickness everything like that and then we went back I think it was like two or three weeks later and the baby hadn't grown at all and there was no heartbeat anymore. Um, so, and that was really hard because I guess in those three weeks um, I still had all my symptoms. So I was like, oh, it's progressing well. Mm. Um, so that was a bit of a shock. And because it had, the baby had actually passed um, like the day after our last scan after we saw the heartbeat so I opted to have a DNC done and um yeah just to kind of get it out of the way it was really emotional but I just needed to have it over and done with I guess yeah, um so then after that we decided um we we're like okay yeah we really want a baby we were actually quite young at this age I was 21 and my husband was 22 um at the time and we tried for um about 18 months and we had no success even though we'd accidentally fallen pregnant that first time mm-hmm. um so we started looking into then like what was going on um so i had endometriosis um which we didn't know at that time but my husband's sperm count was also really really low um And then at that point, I think we just kind of went, okay, we're just going to wait a bit. Um, When we went and saw the fertility specialist, we kind of just went, okay, this is all a bit much. (laughs) And we decided to wait. And we actually moved overseas for a year and then come back and bought a house, got married. And then not long after we got married, um, uh, sorry, I'll go back a step. Um, When we got back, from overseas was when I was diagnosed with endometriosis. So I had a laparoscopy and they found endometriosis, which was really validating for me actually because, you know, you go so many years wondering what's going on, why do I have so much pain and was diagnosed. And then not long after we were married, um, we went and saw our fertility specialist and and we did two um, cycles of letrozole, um, which – for both of those, we did tracking cycles. So I guess for anyone that doesn't know, um, they were monitoring my blood levels and doing scans to see when I was going to ovulate. And then they gave me a trigger injection mm-hmm. to make me ovulate so we had the timing right. <laughs> okay. um, and both of those failed. So we decided to move to IVF. And um, so we started the cycle of that. It was like three weeks into injections and there was only one follicle that had grown. So 
they decided to cancel the IVF cycle. It wasn't worth going in to collect that egg um, if there was only going to be one. So they said, you can try at home. Um, but we kind of didn't have much hope for that, I guess, because we, you know, I hadn't been on birth control for years and the other cycles didn't work. And they said, we'll just put you on stronger medication next month. And lo and behold, the day I was supposed to pick up my new stronger medication, um, I still hadn't gotten my period yet. So I decided to take a test and it was positive. (laughs) Um, so it was sort of like a, IVF cycle to natural conception. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a bit of a miracle, really. A little in-betweener, really. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry, that was a long-winded answer to that. But, no, yes, perfect. he was planned. <laughs> Amazing. And so, you know, doing all of those hormones, though, what effect did that have on your body? Yeah, so um, I guess I felt really tired and mm. I was also a big one for going to the gym every morning before work so just a part of my day get up and go to the gym but I was so tired I just didn't have much energy and I just felt really emotional as well (laughs) so yeah it wasn't um wasn't amazing but it was it was manageable I guess okay so take us through that pregnancy how was it I really had a textbook pregnancy um I had a little bit of morning sickness in the early weeks up until about 11 weeks but I never actually like vomited or anything I just had food aversions and felt yucky and felt really tired um so that was nice that I wasn't actually being sick and then second trimester was amazing like I didn't um didn't have any issues um I was still going to the gym at this point um every morning felt really energized the bump was starting to show (laughs) um you know second trimester I feel like it's just that sweet spot Mm, um and then um because I'm quite I'm quite petite so I'm quite short and I have a short torso as well so I'm only like 158 centimeters and um my bump started to show quite quickly and especially in that second trimester everyone would actually say to me oh you're about ready to pop and I would say no I've got actually got a while left to go (laughs) um so I had quite a big bump um and um yeah and then the third trimester um again no real issues I wasn't overly uncomfortable um until that last couple of weeks when I was on maternity leave and and yeah so what was your perception of birth at that stage? Did you have mm. any fear about it? Or? Um, so to start off with very early in my pregnancy, I had uh, seen, or it might have even been just before I fell pregnant, I had um, seen a birth video, it might have been on Instagram or YouTube or something where it was really calm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know there was dim lights and it looked really intimate so I immediately thought oh that's what I really want um, before that I'd had always thought that you know birth was bright lights and um, 
very medicalized, I suppose. Um, but when I saw that video, I kind of went, oh, maybe it doesn't have to be like that. And maybe it doesn't have to be scary. Because um, I guess when you, especially with your first, when you find out and you're telling everyone, they're like, oh, just you wait until the birth. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> being very negative. But I went, actually, I'm not scared at all. I just used to say to people, I'm actually really excited for the birth. And I did second guess myself a few times and go, oh, God, am I going to get in there and actually go, oh, all these people were right. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> um, but I decided to do, my husband and I did a hypnobirthing course when I was like 20, 25 weeks pregnant was the first one. And then we did the next one like a fortnight later. So 27 weeks. Yeah. And um I think that really helped him see what birth could be which was interesting because I guess again never really being at a birth and like unlike me I was the one watching birth videos but I guess he'd only seen what was on movies um so that was really good for him to see I think what birth could be like and what I wanted and and whatnot um so yeah there was no fear no fear. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And what model of care did you end up choosing? So I decided to have a private midwife. Um, so in the town that I'm from, it's quite has a for a small town. There's quite a big population. It's a mining town, mm-hmm. but our hospital during COVID they stopped. They actually turned the maternity ward into a COVID ward. Mm-hmm. And um, and the doctor, the only doctor that was there that was um, birthing babies decided that he didn't want to do it anymore. So our hospital has this brand new maternity ward, but no one is allowed to birth there. So Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's, um, a lot of people have, yeah, because the next hospital is about 40 minutes away and, um, and they're only for low-risk births, and then the next hospital is about an hour and a half away um, from us. So I decided that I wanted a private midwife because I had heard that that continuity of care from a midwife had better outcomes. So I had actually seen my midwife die do a presentation on Facebook about birthing options in the Hunter Valley because I sort of only thought, I could have a private midwife if I had a home birth. I didn't realise that I, even though I still wanted to birth at the hospital, that I could still have my private midwife as well. So I opted for her and then I did also have a doctor um, in the town that I was going to birth at. Um, I had to have a doctor to birth at the hospital or something like that. But she was amazing. Like she was unreal she was so supportive of my birth plan and birth preferences and yeah just so accommodating (laughs) amazing so take us to the end of your pregnancy then those last few days how are you feeling yeah so I was when I went into labor I was six days overdue and you know being a first-time mum I was aware that I was probably going to go over and my midwife had prepared me for that but in a way I had convinced myself oh like I might go early because the <laughs> the couple that 
we had done our hypnobirthing course with um, they had their baby a week early and it was also their first. So I think that gave me a bit of false hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, so then I guess from my due date the next six days, I think I would just cry every morning that I woke up and I wasn't in labor. <laughs> I would say yeah. to my husband, I just want to go into labor already. I just want to meet him. <laughs> um, I was so uncomfortable. Um, I would be getting maybe 45 minutes sleep at a time. And that was after, you know, falling asleep at 2am and then I'd wake up for the morning at like six mm. um, because I was just so uncomfortable. My back hurt and I just wanted to go into labour already and I I had heard people say this before but I didn't understand it. I really thought I was going to be pregnant forever. Yeah. Uh, like I was like, I'm I'm not gonna go into labor. I feel like I'm going to be pregnant forever and Isn't it wild know. how how your mindset changes? Because I know exactly that feeling from my twins' birth because yeah. I went over forty weeks with them and you do even though you logically know you're not going mm. to be pregnant forever. It's not possible. You yep. feel like it, right? So I can fully yeah. relate to that. It's so true. Yeah, it was um, It was wild. I knew logically it wasn't going to happen, but mm. I was like, I just can't it's imagine myself <laughs> going into labor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so my doctor had mentioned induction. I'd had an appointment at 40 plus two, mm. and my doctor had mentioned induction for the following Tuesday so I would have been 40 plus um, 10 and or 40 plus 9 and I had told her um, I probably wasn't going to do that but I would see how I felt in a couple of days (laughs) Mm. and it got to the Friday and I was supposed to have an appointment with my midwife and we had talked about doing a stretch and sweep um, because the other component to this was that that hospital that is only 40 minutes away, they only do inductions on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. So if I didn't go into labour then, that hospital would only take me until 42 weeks. So that was another component as well, knowing that if I went into labour after 42 weeks that I would have to travel an hour and a half to the hospital in labour. Um, so I decided with my midwife to get a stretch and sweep on the Friday, but she had, and this was at 40 plus six, but she was at a birth the night before, so she was unable to come to my appointment that day and do it for me. And the appointments were at my house and, well, I just burst into tears after that as well because I was so emotional. I just cried all day. And so I called my doctor and she um, didn't call me back until like 3 o'clock in the afternoon and she said, if you can be here at 4.45, I can do one for you. Um, And I was like, yep, perfect. I will be there. (laughs) And so we went um, to get that done and I had discussed with her at the appointment on the Monday that I only wanted one if my cervix was favourable because I didn't want it to put me into like that that false labour, like where you get contractions and then they die off and, and whatnot. So 
um, on the Monday she had, I had asked for a check and um, my doctor had even said, no, let's not do one. And that was at two days overdue. But then at six days overdue, she um, did one and I was, my cervix was really soft. Um, it was stretching to like three centimetres. So I was happy with that. And then my husband jokingly said as we left the room, oh, well, we'll see you in the morning then. And we all just laughed. And, <laughs> yeah, a couple hours later I went into labour. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so take us to that moment. So I was at my in-law's house. We were um, watching the footy and I kind of just like leant forward and I felt like this little gush and I kind of sat up and I, my husband's mum was next to me and I looked at her and I looked at my husband, Ben, and I said, um, I either just peed myself or my water just broke. <laughs> and uh, his face just dropped. <laughs> and so I went to the bathroom and had a look and I still couldn't tell. I was like, oh, my God, what if I've just weed myself? But I hadn't weed myself the whole pregnancy, so I don't know why it almost a week overdue, I really thought I had peed myself and it wasn't my waters. <laughs> so anyway, I messaged my midwife and um, told her what had happened and she said, yeah, it sounds like your waters. Um, try and get some rest and give me a call or a text when things start, if things pick up. And the plan was for her to come to our house and labour for as long as possible at home before going to the hospital. So my waters broke at about 20 past nine and then about 20 minutes later I got this feeling and I was like, oh, that's different. And then a couple of minutes later I got another one and I said to my husband, oh, maybe we should go home, like I need to change my underwear. And he's like, all right. And then I said to him in the car, I said, I actually wanted to go because I'm pretty sure I'm having contractions. And then we were halfway home and all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, this is it. I'm having a contraction. Like, this is so different to what I felt from Braxton Hicks or, like, the period painy type feeling. It, it didn't even feel like that. It was like it was a contraction, like, you know, when it's mm. a contraction. And I kind of – I tensed up immediately forgetting everything that I'd learnt in hypnobirthing. <laughs> so my husband said to me, breathe like just relax just relax and I was like oh yeah okay that's what I've got to do I remember now and so we got home and pretty well after that um, for the next half an hour they were probably like five to seven minutes apart and they were quite strong like I couldn't um, I couldn't sit down I couldn't I like lay over my birthing ball thing it just wasn't comfortable. I just found standing up was the most comfortable. And then um, he was messaging my midwife, Di. And at this point, they were probably like three minutes apart. And they were getting to the point where I wasn't able to talk through them. And I was sort of moaning through them quite a bit. And we put my TENS machine on and that really helped. Uh, and then my midwife, said to Ben, oh, maybe it's time you start coming to the hospital. Um, it sounds like things are moving pretty quickly. So 
Ben looked at me and he said, okay, it's time to go to the hospital. And I said, no, it's not. It's not time to go to the hospital, not yet. And then the next contraction came and I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I knew that we had a 40-minute drive in the car and yeah. this was at about 12.30 in the morning. So um, he had gotten everything in the car. I got in the car in the back seats and I know this is really naughty but I – laid over the backrest of the seat I couldn't there was no way I was going to be able to sit down and put a seatbelt on (laughs) I just had to sort of lay over the back seats and the whole way to the hospital my contractions were like a minute apart um so that was scary in a way because I guess as a first-hand mum you don't know how intense it's going to get (laughs) So I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I'm rocking this. I can, I can do this, <laughs> even though it was a really uncomfortable car ride. And then we got to the hospital and my midwife, Di, was there and she'd filled up the, the birth pool and everything because I really wanted to have a water birth. And we got there and I decided to jump in the shower first. And so I did that for I don't know how long. And... Um, and then I got in the bath for a little bit and uh, it was about maybe 5 a.m. when I started feeling quite a lot of pressure. So, and because I wasn't having cervical checks throughout my labour, that was one thing that I had on my birth plan unless I requested them. So um, I'd, I'd started feeling some pressure, so I started pushing and two hours went past and I I didn't know what I was supposed to be feeling. And also I didn't know how much time had gone past. I think when you're in labor time feels like it, it, it's not even a thing. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So my doctor got there about seven and my, my midwife had said to her, she's been pushing for a couple of hours, not, not sure what's going on. And um, she said, okay, and then so I sort of had a little bit of a discussion with my midwife and said I'm happy to get a check and see what's going on. And um, so I got out of the bath and my doctor did a cervical check on me and turns out I was only eight centimetres, <laughs> but I was feeling pressure uh, because he had his hand like up near his head and only part of my waters broke, not the full amount so I was feeling pressure Um, and throughout this whole time as well I was having really intense back labor I was feeling most of it in my back so um, when she said I was eight centimeters I I wasn't devastated like I thought I would be I was kind of like oh eight centimeters like I'm pretty close Um, which was really good. I think the hypnobirthing helped me with that because I think otherwise I would have been like, oh, God, I've still got forever to go. Yeah. Um, So my doctor had sort of said, look, your cervix has swollen up a little bit, so we need to get you in some positions to take that pressure off so your cervix can go down. And I just thought, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? So first they got me laying on my side um, on the bed and this is where I did ask for gas um, they got me laying on 
my side on the bed with my husband behind me and they said, oh, just get some rest. And my husband and I were laughing about it afterwards because I was doing the deepest like cow moos. <laughs> and he kind of said, how was I supposed to get yeah, any rest? <laughs> exactly, you're in active labour. Yeah. and oh, um, so funny. And so anyway, and because I was having back labor, every time I would have a contraction, I would say to my husband, pressure, pressure. Like that was the only word that I could get out for him to signal to him that he needed to apply pressure on my back. Mm. So anyway, the the side lying on the bed wasn't doing it. So they put a mattress on the ground for me and I sort of, I put my head on the ground, but bum up in the air to sort of take his head off my cervix which that was good. Um, it was intense, but it was probably one of the better positions for taking the pressure off. And then I got back in the bath and they told me to sort of float. So instead of like sitting with my knees on the base of the bath, just kind of let my legs float. Um, so that was good as well. I was just trying to re- relax through each contraction as much as I could because at this point I was I wasn't getting any break between them either so like one would start and then it would it just felt like it would go on and on and on and um I was feeling sick like nauseous so I knew I had to be close (laughs) um and then I had said to my doctor maybe an hour had gone past or maybe an hour or two, I'm not entirely sure. And I had asked my doctor for another check and and all I thought was, oh, how am I going to get out of the bath? But got out of the bath and um, she said, yep, you're, you're pretty well there. Um, but my I was also sure that my waters hadn't fully broken um, and that, that was also causing a lot of the pressure. So... She, my doctor was really great. She didn't even bring that up. I said to her, can you break my waters? (laughs) Um, I need to let some of this pressure go or I'm going to have, like, I can't get that feeling of pressure away. Um, So she did that and then I got back in the bath and that feeling of pressure had pretty well gone away. But then maybe half an hour later I started getting again, but I was a little bit worried about pushing again in case I was pushing him into my cervix that wasn't fully dilated again. Mm. So I asked for another check. (laughs) Um, And again, my doctor was amazing through this. She didn't, because one of the things that I had on my birth preferences was that I didn't want anyone to ask me questions and I didn't want anyone to bring up interventions unless I was asking for them. Mm. So I got another check and I said, I didn't even ask, am I 10 centimeters? I just said, is it okay to push? And she said, yeah, it's okay to push. <laughs> so did, I, you, did you feel the urge to push? I did, but it was a lot of pressure. So okay. I guess I didn't get the fetal ejection reflex the whole time. Okay, yeah. And that's what I was waiting for, I guess. Mm. Um, I started pushing in the bath and I just felt like, I couldn't feel him coming down like any any further and so I got in the shower on the birthing stool 
and that's my midwife said yeah like it looks like he's coming down now it just might have been a better position um out of the water sort of thing so I'd had on my birth plan that if I wasn't in the bath I wanted someone to hold a warm compress on my perineum and so my doctor was doing that and I it just felt like it was taking so long like he'd come a little bit out and my husband was sitting behind me so he could kind of see a little bit but not not a whole lot he would come out a little bit but then he would go like back in more than what he was coming out Mm. and I just thought oh my god so because I pushed for another total of two hours um to to actually get him out he finally came out very slowly and um his head kind of just sat there for maybe a minute I've got it all on video so I watch it back all the time so his Mm. his head sat there for about a minute and then I just I thought, oh, God, now I've got to get his shoulders out. But that was really easy. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I birthed him in the shower and I had music going. It was, you know, really relaxed. And then when he came out, he didn't cry. So um, he was quite purple and very moulded from being in my pelvis for so long. Um, So they left the cord attached for probably like 10 minutes while – we just kind of stimulated him to get him to cry and they um, they put the CPAP machine on him while he was on my lap in the shower, which I'll be forever thankful for that because I can't imagine them, you know, cutting the cord and, and yeah. taking him away to do that. They actually used sort of my lap as the table, mm-hmm. which was really nice and I, I think uh, I, I think I can hear my midwife saying in the video, just bring the machine in here and, and he can stay on her which was really nice as well um so yeah that was that was kind of the birth up until then and do you remember how you felt after that experience once you sort of had a moment to kind of land yeah I was well because my whole pregnancy like I had been aiming to do a you know unmedicated birth and I kind of doubted whether I could do that and yeah, like I'd said before, maybe people were right. And then when I did it, I was like, oh my God, I am invincible. <laughs> I just felt like amazing, but I was also so exhausted because, yeah. well, for a total, I'd, I'd pushed for a total of four hours, um, even though two of those weren't doing anything. <laughs> mm. um, I just felt exhausted. And I remember saying to Ben, oh, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> But that quickly subsided and I was like, that was amazing. Like I would rather give birth 10 times than like be pregnant again. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wow. And what about your placenta? Yeah. So because I had discussed this with my midwife when I was still pregnant. So my first preference was to not have uh, an assisted third stage, but if there was any kind of intervention or something that would interrupt that oxytocin flow such as the CPAP machine and and you know my baby not crying um she and with how long my labor was we discussed it after and I said I said what do you think and she said yeah it's probably not a bad idea with what you've just you know been through (laughs) so I decided to have the oxytocin 
injection and um, yeah, I think the placenta came out like maybe 40 minutes after he was born. So it wasn't really quickly, but um, yeah. Yeah, Um, awesome. And did you do anything special with it? No. Well, we had asked for a placenta tour. So my doctor um, sort of showed us the sack where he lived and showed us like the bit that was connected inside my uterus and like that was amazing. Um, And yeah, so and then we had a couple of hours of skin to skin, which was really nice. And they weighed him. And when he came out, the first thing I I did say was, oh, my God, he's huge. (laughs) And being, you know, 158 centimetres and I was only born quite small and my husband was born small as well, I was expecting like maybe a seven-pounder at most. Um, But he was eight pound three. Wow, there you go. Yeah, and had quite a sizable head on him as well. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why he... um, you know, probably took quite a long time to come through, but um, yeah, I did it. And I was even more amazed once they weighed him. And I was like, oh my God. And because I'd only had one tiny tear um, on my labia, which didn't need stitches. Amazing. So yeah, when, when they weighed him, I was even more so like, oh my God, I'm amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I just felt so good. Yeah. There you go. It sort of dispels all those myths that you're too small to birth a big baby, you know? Yes, 100%. Um, mm. I, you know, if people ever say that, now I can say, well, I birthed, you know, a, a bigger <laughs> baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm on the smaller side. So yeah. it's, um, it is a myth. <laughs> totally. And do you guys plan on having more children in the future, I'm assuming? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, my We were originally planning to have them a little bit closer together, like maybe trying when um, our son is one. But um, funnily enough, well, not funnily enough, but my husband <laughs> during the labour, because he was pushing on my back for so long, like bent over the bath, um, he actually actually did a back injury and needed back surgery. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> so, no, no. So he was like after the birth, he didn't say anything to me until a couple of weeks later because he said, oh, it's not my place to whinge. But he said, my back has been really sore since the birth. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and then um, one morning that ache just got so bad that, he got like pins and needles down his leg and like couldn't walk properly. And yeah, it turns out he had herniated a disc. So oh, wow. <laughs> he's just had back surgery and um, they suspect that that is what it's from. Yeah. Um, so we probably will wait a little bit longer now. Um, yeah. But it was like such a good experience. Um, so a couple of hours after the birth as well. They were taking my blood pressure and the midwife and doctor kind of looked at each other and went, oh, oh, I don't want to say what your blood pressure is. And I thought, oh, okay, whatever, must be low or something. And, well, I had never heard that you can get preeclampsia after you give birth. Um, mm. But I ended up with postpartum preeclampsia. Oh, oh my gosh. So, 
Yeah. So I'd listened to so many podcasts when I was pregnant and everything. And because I had worked out, you know, stayed pretty active during pregnancy and my blood pressure was always really good, I thought, oh, I won't get preeclampsia. So when they said that, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So could you Um, explain postpartum preeclampsia? So I guess usually with preeclampsia, like when the placenta comes out, you're pretty, from what I'm aware, like it's kind of back to normal. But when it was after my placenta had come out, my feet swelled up really, really big. Um, My blood pressure was really, really high. I'm pretty sure it was like 200 over something. Like it was, it was quite high. So um, the... And they'd done blood tests to confirm and everything. And then early the next morning, our son was um, having some breathing issues. And so they, because of my preeclampsia and his breathing issues, they decided to transfer us to the next hospital over, so the one that was an hour and a half away. Um, so we got to ride skin to skin in the ambulance together, which was really good. And um, I was put on the magnesium drip when I arrived at the hospital and um, everything like that. And and he was in special care nursery. But, um, yeah, there you go. You can get postpartum preeclampsia. (laughs) How do they treat that? So is it just like you went and had the magnesium and you were okay? Like how does that work? Um, Yeah, so the magnesium infusion was to prevent seizures. So because my blood pressure was so high and my kidney function was really, really low, um they had put me on that to stop seizures and I wasn't allowed out of bed um so I had a catheter and and everything and they also were giving me blood pressure medication as well so I was on like I don't know six blood pressure medication tablets a day or something ridiculous like that um and then after the 24 hours um they took me off the magnesium infusion and yeah, like my blood pressure was still high. I had to be on blood pressure medication until about five weeks postpartum and just had regular checkups with my doctor and midwife to keep an eye that my blood pressure was coming down and that my kidney function was going back up. Um, but, yeah. And so it, it resolved, obviously. It did, yeah. So so interesting. Yeah. So they've just said that next time... I get pregnant, I will be on aspirin for the whole pregnancy. So I think usually they do, when you have your 12-week scan, they uh, do like an assessment of your placenta to determine whether you're at risk of preeclampsia maybe. I think that's how it works. Mm -hmm. And they had decided that I wasn't at risk, which I guess no one would really think I was at risk um, by that. And then... Yeah, I got it anyway. So next time I'll just be on uh, aspirin for as soon as I find out I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with your next pregnancy, is there anything you would do differently that time around other than obviously taking the aspirin? No, I don't think so. I think I will have a... um, Uh, a private midwife again sorry I think I'll have a private midwife again because I just loved for one I loved having her come to the house to to do my appointments and you know each appointment was two hours long so as a first-time mum 
getting all that extra education was really good. Mm. Um, but no, I think even as a second time mum, I'll still have a private midwife. I am toying with the idea of a home birth, mm-hmm. but with the preeclampsia that I got last time, um, you know, I'm a little apprehensive about that because the last thing I would want to do is a transfer to the hospital if I'd, yeah. I'd planned a home birth. So, <laughs> Well, you should um, listen to last week's episode because that one, she has a kidney issue which gives her really high blood pressure and she was also on aspirin throughout both of her pregnancies. Oh, okay, yeah. I will. Yeah, have a listen. Yeah, it's nice. really good. Um, and so looking at your journey, first-time mama, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? My biggest piece of advice would probably be to do a lot of your own research. So don't rely on, you know, the the doctors to tell you, I guess, all the right information or because that birth will be very medicalized if you want like a, you know, relaxing birth and, you know, an unmedicated birth, like a some sort of birthing course to just to understand what your body needs to thrive in if you want a certain type of birth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can still, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'll just go with the flow or um, everything like that. But, Mm. you know, you can still go with the flow but but have what you want and and come out with a good result at the end. Yeah. Um, Because I know a lot of people also say, like, oh, a healthy baby is also, is, is all that matters, but a healthy mum like mentally and physically and a healthy baby is bare minimum so yeah and even just like I don't know I suppose for me when I was giving birth as well for some reason a big one that stuck with me was music I didn't think that music and affirmations and a dark room would make a big difference to my birth but they were the three things that got me through. Like I just felt like I could enter my my little bubble. I didn't feel like everyone was, was coming in and, you know, bugging me while I'm trying to give birth. I felt like I was in my own little world and it was really nice and empowering as well to just yeah. let my body do, for the most part, what it needed to do. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Paige, and sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for having me. I love telling my birth story. (laughs) That brings us to the end of today's episode. But before we go, Paige wanted me to add in an important element that she left out in her story. After she experienced a miscarriage, as well as being diagnosed with low ovarian reserve and endometriosis, she was also diagnosed with a blood clotting disorder called Factor V Leiden, which can increase the risk of miscarriage. So to combat that, she was on a daily Clexane injection until 14 weeks. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Please let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram. And we are one episode away from wrapping up this season. And it has been an absolute joy to bring you so many inspiring mamas sharing their journey each week. If you have any specific requests or would like to hear more of a particular type of birth story, please reach out over on the PBA Instagram. And don't forget to show some love on your podcast platform so that I can continue to bring you these inspiring stories each week. 
Thank you so much for being a part of this community. We'll be back next week for our final episode of the season. Until then, take care, stay curious, and continue to embrace the beauty of birth.